Now, uh, just a bit about myself, because I, I, I realize that, that many of you uh, have never met me. I'm a Japanese-American Israeli. I, I have a, a Japanese face. An American-sounding voice. And an Israeli passport. My grandparents uh, were immigrants uh, to this country from Japan over a hundred years ago. And they settled in Los Angeles, and my parents were also born in Los Angeles. And my parents went through that World War II Japanese-American relocation experience. And after the war, my father went east. Actually, he didn't want to come back to California. And he earned his, uh, his doctorate at Harvard University in, in Asian history. So for a while, he was a professor. He taught at Harvard, and then he came out to California and taught at UC Berkeley. But he didn't want to follow an academic career, and so, um, and so he accepted a job in the U.S. State Department. And, and he became a, a diplomat. For the U.S. government, uh, uh, and so, so we were sent to Japan when I was ten. And, and, and there, even though I looked like everybody else, I was a complete foreigner. And you know, you know, when I was when I was growing up uh, in the on the East Coast in, in my early years. Uh, this was before the great Chinese invasion, you know. That. I mean, I was, I was usually the only Asian kid in my class. But when I went to Japan, of course, I, I, everybody thought I was Japanese. So I had to learn Japanese as a foreign language. I went to an international school. And after graduation, I went back to the United States for university. Also to the Boston area. And this was, these were this was the days of the Vietnam War and the campus revolution and the counterculture. I was not a believer in those days. It was a very uh, dark and difficult time. But an important time for us. And really, really an important time for America. Because so much of what's happening in America today really is a result of the turn that the culture made back in the 1960s and 70s. For those of you who are interested, I, I wrote a, a good deal of this story in that book, Culture of the Kingdom. But during those years of struggle in university, I met 
and then later married a Jewish woman from New York. And we were, she was as lost as I was. Maybe that was what drew us together. We ended up living in a little city in New Mexico called Santa Fe. We were hippies. And uh, it was there that the Lord got a hold of us. And uh, my wife was picked up hitchhiking by a woman who took her to a coffee house ministry called Shalom. There she heard uh, other, other Jewish young people who had tell their story about finding Jesus as their Jewish Messiah. And this was the first time in her entire life, uh, Rita, who is my wife now, had ever heard the gospel. And that first night, she gave her heart to the Lord. And I, I could see that she was obviously changed, transformed. And uh, so in two weeks later, I also met with these believers and prayed and became a believer myself. So we started out our believing lives together in those early uh, years of the 1970s. And right away, God began to speak to us. I mean, we were ready to do anything Go anywhere, do anything that the Lord said. And I, I realize now that that is the, the most important criteria for hearing the voice of God. Most people don't hear the voice of God because they're not willing to do what He says. And you know, and if you're not really willing to do what God says, don't even bother asking Him. He won't talk to you. Because it's more merciful for him not to say anything. I mean, if he knows already that you're not going to do it, it's better for him to say nothing. Because if he tells you what he, what, what, what he wants you to do, knowing you're not going to do it, it just makes your guilt even more. Okay, so, so we were ready to do anything. And right away, God began to speak. He said, one, get married. We weren't married. <laughs> Two, I'm calling you into ministry. Three, you're going to Israel. This was like 40 years ago. We, we, neither of us had ever been to Israel. Neither of us had ever lived in the Middle East. We knew nothing about it. But we knew right away that's where we were going. 
so we began to obey. We got married. We began studying for the ministry. I went to a Bible school in Texas. And that is really a foreign country, if you ever want to know. We came out to a seminary in Southern California. Along the way, I got involved in the computer industry because we needed money to uh, to finance our education. In 1982, we left the United States and we haven't lived here ever since. We first went to Japan and I pastored an international congregation in Tokyo. We knew we were going to Israel, but this was kind of on the way, you know. And during those years I also worked in the Japanese computer and telecommunications industry. And then in 1987, the Lord opened the doors for us to continue on to Israel. So now we've been there 27 years. When we arrived, because Rita is Jewish, we had the opportunity to become citizens. We felt this was the Lord's will, so we accepted that. We became new immigrants. We knew that the city God wanted us to settle in was was built on Mount Carmel. And we knew from the Bible that Mount Carmel is the mountain of Elijah. When we arrived in, in that city of 300,000 people, I think there were less than 200 believers in the whole city. It was a very difficult time to go through the culture shock as new believers. We had to learn the language, we had to adjust to a new culture. I think a lot of you know that going somewhere as an immigrant is different than going as a tourist. A lot of you know what it's like to move to another country and just start over again. You don't know the language, you don't understand the culture, you don't have friends, you don't have connections, you don't even have relatives. That's what it was like for us in Israel. And then the first Gulf War came in 1991. Now, you know, now we're involved in another war. And so far, almost 3,000 rockets have landed in different Israeli cities. What makes these rockets dangerous is that they, they contain thousands of pieces of small pieces of metal. So when they explode, if you're, if you're unprotected, it'll be like being shot with a shotgun. They can't be aimed, and they just fire them from the ground or even from the back of trucks, and uh, so you have to be careful about them. But in 1991, the Iraqis were, were firing 
missiles. I mean, big rockets that sat on launchers to to uh, to fire. 一九八一年的时候，伊拉克他们就用这个很呃这个飞弹从伊拉克飞到这个以色列来。And those rockets would would blow up an entire building. 啊，那个飞弹能够把整栋建筑给炸毁。And we were new immigrants. We didn't understand the television or the radio. 我们新的移民不了解这个电视跟电电台所报告的事情。We had to get gas masks, and we were supposed to seal the room in our apartment. And when the siren went off, we had to go into the room. 我们就是要戴这个氧气的面具，还有是要到防空洞里面去，各样的这些的措施。They didn't know if these rockets had nerve gas in them. 他们不知道说这些里面有没有这个化学的武呃化学这些呃呃呃这个药物在里面。So you had to stay in your room with your gas mask until they they told you it was all clear. 所以你要在在这个。你的房间里面戴上这个呃口罩，等待消息。By then we had two little children. 那时候我们已经有两个小孩。And so it was a very confusing and difficult time. 对我们来说非常迷惑的艰难的时期。But we saw firsthand God how He protected the nation. 我们乃是第一手的经历，看见神如何保护这个国家。Thirty-nine of these big missiles landed in different Israeli cities. 对，三十九个这样的一个飞弹就降临降落在以色列不同的城市。And only one person was killed as a direct result of those missiles. 对，只有一个人因为这个飞弹的缘故被杀害。And that was a real Miracle. In fact, some people say that during that that war, the death rate in Israel went down. Some people say that during that that war, the death rate in Israel went down. Some people say that during that that war, the death rate in Israel went down. It's because Israelis didn't drive as much. Israelis didn't drive their cars. Oh, because the Israelis didn't drive that many cars. Because the Iraqis only fired those missiles at night. Because the Iraqis only fired those missiles at night. So about four or five in the afternoon, everybody would 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 nobody would drive. So at four or five in the afternoon, everybody would not drive. The, the streets would be empty. Ah, 街道上是空的。So actually, the Iraqis saved our lives. 所以其实伊拉克人拯救了我们的生命。But it also proves this. 啊，也证明了这个事情。That Israeli drivers are more dangerous than Scud missiles. 以色列人的司机比这种飞弹更加的危险。So we do, we do invite you to come. So I 邀请你们来以色列。But we will pray protection over you. 我们会为你的安全来祷告。When you get on your bus or you take a taxi. 哦，当你上这个巴士车或者坐 taxi 的时候。Now I really am going to talk to you about prayer. 啊，我今天早上跟大家讲祷告。Look, we've been here in well, we've been there in Israel now for 27 years. 我们在以色列已经二十七年。Our children are grown up. They're in their in their in their twenties, and they're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have already grown up. They're living on their own in Tel Aviv. So, our children have From the start, God gave us the mandate to reach out both to Jews and to Arabs. From 开始的时候，我们就领受神的使命，要向犹太人跟阿拉伯人传福音。And now we have a women's shelter that reaches out to African refugees. 
So we've really seen the, the fulfillment of what Paul the Apostle writes about as the one new man. Jews and Gentiles coming together as one under the Lord. And the congregation has grown up uh, and in branched out into many different ways over the years. I still serve as one of the pastors of that congregation. Although now the older guys are beginning to step back and a whole other younger layer of leadership is coming. And we've seen the number of messianic believers in Israel vastly increased. In the 1960s, there were 50 believers in all of Israel. Today, we estimate about 15,000. So, we're beginning, thank you, we're beginning to see the fulfillment of God's words when he said the gospel is to the Jew first and also to the rest of the world. Now we're realizing that the first will also be last. But the New Testament is clear, all Israel shall be saved. And Jesus also prophesied over Jerusalem at the end of Matthew's Gospel. He said, Jerusalem, you won't see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we know that before his return, there will be a Jerusalem that will welcome him back as Messiah and King. So we're working hard, but we're moving in that direction. God is bringing the increase. And Chinese Christians have a big part to play in this, actually. But more on that later. This, uh, this restoration of the Jewish people to their homeland is really a massive prophetic event. I say that it's prophetic in the sense that it's the fulfillment of, of dozens and dozens of words in Scripture. In the Bible, God says over and over that he will scatter his people, but he will never forget them, and one day he will bring them back. This is not an isolated minor theme in Scripture. It's something that goes all the way through the Bible. And God chose our generation to actually do this thing. A, an, an event that really has no historic precedent either. Only once in the history of humanity have a people been scattered and wandered the world for 2,000 years. And then come back to the place where they originated. To start up their nation again. That event is, is unique in all of human history. 
if you believe the Bible, you're going to see it as the fulfillment of God's plan, purpose, and His word. So, if you believe the Bible, this is God's plan, His purpose, and His word. The basic problem in the Middle East is that all of our neighboring countries don't believe the Bible that we read. The most important problem is that they don't believe what we read in the Bible. So they see the return of the Jewish people as a As a disaster. So they see the return of the Jewish people as an invasion. And this is part of the conflict that's ongoing, and and there's no easy short-term solution. This is Chinese-China Really, the only the only real solution is when hearts change. So, the real answer is when hearts change. And we're beginning to see this in a in a microcosm as as Arab hearts and Jewish hearts are changed by Jesus. We start from a very small part and see when the hearts of Jews and Arabs change. And we welcome you to come and visit us on Mount Carmel and fellowship with Arab Christians who love their Jewish brothers and Jewish. Messianic believers who love Arab Christians. We welcome you to Israel. Welcome you to Jamisan to join our worship. And see these Arab disciples how they love Jewish brothers. This is part of the great restoration of our time. This is part of the great restoration of our time. The Apostle Peter spoke about this in the third chapter of Acts. Ah, Peter in the third chapter of Acts, he said, "This Jesus will be taken to heaven, and he will remain in heaven at the right hand of the Father." He will be taken to heaven, and he will remain in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Until the restoration of all things that has been spoken about through the prophets. That's Acts three verse twenty-one. 来是在使徒行传第三章第二十一节。I believe this restoration of the people of Israel and the restoration of the gospel to the people of Israel. 我相信说这个以以色列人的恢复跟整个福音的恢复 is a powerful signal, a sign from God pointing us to the beginning of this period of restoration leading up to His return. 来是一个非常强而有力的一个征兆，告诉我们说神他要将要再来，耶稣要再来的一个征兆。If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the very end of the Old Testament. 所以如果你有圣经的话，请你翻开圣经里面的最后一卷书。This is the last, the last two verses in the English Bible of of Malachi. 这乃是在呃旧约圣经里面最后两节圣经马拉马拉基书第四章。That's Malachi chapter four verses five and six. 第四章第五节第六节马拉基书第四章第五到第六节。I say these are the last verses of the English Old Testament because in the Hebrew Old Testament we use a different order for the books. 其实，在这个英文的翻译本里面，最后的两节圣经在犹太人的圣经里面，呃，圣经的排次是不一样的。Here's here's what is is written by the the inspired prophet Malachi. 这乃是呃圣圣灵感动马拉基所说的这些话。Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. 看啊，耶和华大而可畏之日未到之前，我必差遣先知以利亚到你们那里去。Let me focus on the great and terrible day. 让我专注在这个大而可畏之日。I think we agree that's the final day. We know Elijah that the spirit and power of Elijah was on John the Baptist. We believe that Elijah, this Holy Spirit, moved Elijah, and the same moved John before the first appearance of Jesus. But Jesus did not yet appear. But this prophecy speaks about the final appearance of Jesus. This prophecy speaks about the final appearance of Jesus. What will this Elijah-like person or this Elijah spirit do? 
这个以利亚或者以利亚的灵到底做什么呢 ？Verse six， 第六节说 ，He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the and the hearts of the children to the fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. 他必使父亲的心转向儿女，儿女的心转向父亲，免得我来咒诅遍地。All right. There's many ways that we can interpret this. This is a great verse for Father's Day. So, 很多呃不同的方式可以解释这个圣经，这也是非常美好的经文，在父亲节是可以讲。But I believe the Bible is very clear about who are the fathers. 我相信圣经很清楚告诉我们说，这里讲的父亲是指谁。The biblical fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 圣经里面所除到父亲来是亚伯拉罕、以撒、雅各。Whenever the Apostle Paul writes the fathers in his epistles, he means those three. 当使徒保罗写作先父或者父亲的时候，都知道这三个人。And I believe part of our ministry in turning the hearts of the, all the children of Abraham. 我相信我们我们我们的服侍是将所有亚伯拉罕的儿女转向。And you and I, we are the children of Abraham by faith. 我们乃是凭信心成为亚伯拉罕的子女。If we have the faith that was in Abraham, we become his children. 我们因为同样有亚伯拉罕的信心，我们成为亚伯拉罕的儿女。And we become the children of God through that faith. 我们成为神的儿女，透过这样的一个信心。Now I believe it's the time. This restoration is to turn our hearts back. To the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our hearts to the biblical fathers. Now we need to restore our These events take place in Israel at a time of national disorder and idolatry. This event happened when Israel was in a state of disorder and idolatry. They were a nation that was falling back into idolatry, distractions, and all, all kinds of corruption. So they fell back, they worshipped, they worshipped. They were being led by a king named Ahab, who was the worst of all the kings that had come before him. They were also being led by Ahab, who was the worst of all the kings that had come before him. Because he had made decisions with the authority that God had given him to make idolatry the 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 religion of the land. He decided to worship idols, become idols, become their deity. He had made this this idol called Baal. He had made Baal the, the the god of northern Israel. He decided to make Baal the god of northern Israel. Baal was a fertility god. Ah, this Baal is a uh, is a fertility god. He was a, the god that the Canaanites had worshipped for centuries before the children of Israel had come into the land. They were these Canaanites. 
It was because the Canaanites were worshiping evil deities like Baal that God brought judgment on them in the first place. They believed that Baal would bring the thunder and the lightning and the rain that would produce the crops. And of course, in those days, their entire economy and all of their prosperity depended on the growth of the crops. So he was a prosperity God. And they believed that Baal would hibernate during the winter. Come out in spring and have uh, have sexual relations with a female counterpart called Ashtoreth. Out of those those relationships would would come the fertility that would bring the crops. And so the worship of Baal included prostitution. I mean, what they call temple or sacred prostitution. At the altar of Baal, both Male and female prostitutes would serve. And the children that were conceived out of that immorality were then sacrificed on that altar to Baal. It was because of the slaughtering of the children that God brought judgment on the Canaanites. So that sin was bad enough when the Canaanites practiced it. But Ahab, the king of Israel, had made that the official religion for the people of Israel. So now the people of Israel were worshiping this God of, of fertility, this God of prosperity. They were sacrificing their children on the high places. And God became displeased and angered by this because this, this was his special inheritance, his people of Israel. So he spoke to this nation through the prophet Elijah. And he said, Elijah, you go tell your king there's not going to be any rain for until I say so. Now even today in Israel we're dependent on the rain for our drinking water. We, we measure the level of the Sea of Galilee by centimeters. And after two or three winters of insufficient rain and the Sea of Galilee goes down, we begin to talk about water rationing and our water bills begin to go up. And we're an industrialized society with desalinization plants and all kinds of conservation methods. How much more in the days of Elijah? When there was no rain, first the crops would die. Then the animals would die. And eventually the people would start to die. And that's what happened in Israel. There were three years of no rain or dew. 
三年没有雨水，没有任何的露水。It was economic hardship. 所以经济来说是一个非常艰难的时期。And then God spoke to Elijah again. 然后神再一次对以利亚说。And said, "Go back to Ahab and tell him now I'm going to bring rain back." 然后回去告诉亚哈王说，我会把雨降下来。And here's what happened. 这是所发生的事情。First Kings 18 verse 17. 列王记上第十八章第十七节。Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, "Is this you, you troubler of Israel?" 亚哈见了以利亚，便说是以色列遭灾的，就是你吗 ？The king, the head of the government, considers the prophet. The troubler, because he said there would be no rain. 国家的元首亚哈说：“是你使我们没有雨，因为你说雨不降下来。” But Elijah, the man of God, is not intimidated by that authority. 老神的仆人以利亚并没有因此受到威胁。Because he serves a higher authority. 因为他所侍奉的是更高的权柄。And he has this Israeli gift called chutzpah. I know this is a foreign word to all of you. 对你们来说是一个好像外语。Chutzpah is Israel's gift to the world. Chutzpah 乃是以色列给世界各国的一个礼物。And I guess the best English translation is it's it's to have nerve. 啊，其实最好的英文的翻译可能就是说你有胆量。To not be intimidated, to not become timid and quiet, but to stand up and to speak. 不能越是受威胁，而且你要挺身而立，站立起来发言。This absolutely proves that Elijah was not Japanese. 这这跟这完全决定说以利亚不是日本人。In in Japan, we have a saying. 在日本有这样的一个俗语。Deru kugi wa utareru. 呀，他所讲的话。All right, I'll tell you. In English, what it means is the nail that sticks up will be hammered down. 他说，如果这个钉子出来的话，一定会被打下去的。So in Japan, every every mother teaches her son and her daughter, please do anything, but do not be the nail that sticks up. 所以，在以在在日本的所有的父母亲教导孩子说，你不能做什么事情，不要成为那个站起来这个钉子。But you see, in Elijah, the classic nail that sticks up and refuses to be hammered down. 但是这个以利亚乃是那位永远站立起来这个钉子不愿意下去的。It's part of the prophetic gift. 这乃是先知性的一个恩赐之一。I think we all need a a little bit of that ourselves. 我们必须要拥有这样的一个恩赐。And maybe today, Japan needs a lot of it. 呃，可能今天日本需要非常多这样的一个恩赐。Because Elijah answers his king in this way. So Elijah 回答他的国王如此说 Verse eighteen. He answered, "I've not troubled Israel, but you and your fathers have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Baal." 他说是以色列遭灾的不是我，乃是你和你父家，因为你们离弃耶和华的诫命去随从巴力。Now then, send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with the prophets of Baal and four hundred prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 现在你当差遣人召集以色列众人和侍奉巴力的那四百五十个先知，并耶西别所供养侍奉亚亚瑟拉的那四百个先知，使他们都上加密山去见我。He said, "Gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel." 他说把所有的以色列众人都召集到加密山上。I don't believe that meant every man, woman, young person, dog, and cat in Israel went to Mount Carmel. 我我我我想这里不是就是所有以色列人，包括他们的狗啊、猫啊、小孩子都召集在那里。What it meant was that all the leaders and all the people of influence 
我想主要的意思呢，是所有那些有影响力的人，所有以色列的领袖们。All the mayors, all the governors, all the CEOs, all the government, all of the religious establishment。所有的市长、州长，所有的这个总裁，所有的任何有影响力的这政府里面的人。You might say this is this is a prophetic example of holistic ministry。这乃是一个先知性的讲到全面性的服侍。This was not a religious event。这并不是一个宗教的一个事件。This was an event in the heart of a society and what from From the start, would impact every area of the society. This was an event that would have economic impact in the nation. This was an event that would have have profound political implications. This was an event that would reform religion. When they say all Israel, gather all Israel, it meant it meant all the seven mountains. It meant all the aspects of society were involved in this. This is to tell you that all Israel, gather all Israel, Sometimes it's good to trouble Israel. So, 有时候我们呃使以色列遭难是好的 And there is a time when the people of God are called, are required to stand up and let their voice be heard. So, 有时候神会呼召我们在必要的时候，我们必须站立起来来说话 You may say, "Oh, but no, no, I'm a minority group here, and you know, I don't have many people. I don't have much support. Where's my political clout?" 哦、你可能说啊，我是少数民族，我是移民来到这里，我根本没有任何的群众的支持，因此我只是一个少数的民族。I think the major problem we have in the body of Christ is we don't recognize our authority. 我想主要我们的问题是，乃是我们不知道我们应该有的权柄。I listened to our brother last night talk to us about authority from the Holy Spirit. 我们听到昨天晚上呃麦牧师所讲的，我们从神那里领受这样的一个权柄。That is a reality that comes to us from the authority from God Himself. 这乃是一个非常真实的，从那位唯一唯有权。And what we found in a small way, even though we're a tiny minority in Israel, 虽然我们是非常小的少数的民族在以色列 Even today, I mean, we may say, oh, fifteen thousand believers in Israel. 哦，可能今天说一万五千个信徒在以色列 That's still less than one fifth of one percent of the national population. 这个是这个百分之一呃呃就。And so many of us in leadership were immigrants. I mean, we're on the, we're really still on the fringes of Israeli society. So we, these leaders, we are still immigrants. We are still on the fringes. But even in our own imperfect and and weak way. By trying with our hearts to to obey what God has told us to do. Now, 尽量来顺从神吩咐我们要做的事情。A movement start that we believe from Scripture is destined to change our nation. We can see this movement has already started, and so it is with you. Same thing is with you. When my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, there weren't many Asians. But my father was a young man here in California, My grandparents immigrated in the early 1900s, and they didn't become citizens until 1950. And that's what it is to be a minority group. Now in California, everybody is a minority group. 
You need to understand your voice can be heard. It's important to have that same prophetic spirit. Okay, so what happened on Mount Carmel? Verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then worship him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him, Not a word. And you you have, to, you have to visualize this. There they are on top of Mount Carmel. It's Elijah the prophet representing God and his kingdom. And he's basically faced with three major groups of people. You have Ahab and his government. He's the king of Israel, so all of his cabinet ministers and their aides and you know all of the all of government authority was there. Then you have the false prophets. They represent the religious establishment. Okay, the heads of all the, the great churches and the denominations and the ministries, that's, that's who they are. Then you have the third group is the people. And this is all the mayors and the governors and the supervisors of all the towns and all the communities in northern Israel. And then there's Elijah. Okay. And so Elijah turns first to the people. And he says, Listen, this is really all about you, your life, your welfare, and your children. What kind of a community do you want to live in? You decide. Because the government and the religious establishment are there really to serve you. So you have to make a decision. And it says that the people answered him not a word. No one was willing to say a thing. And so verse 22, so Elijah says, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And so all the people answered and said, Now that is a good idea. What this reveals is that the culture of Israel back then was not so different than from the way it is today. Or here in the United States. They were an entertainment-oriented culture. Nobody was there that morning to make a bold prophetic decision. Based on the word of God and God's purposes. But, but when it came to, to, to two altars and two sacrifices and prayers and fire from heaven, 
And let's remember that the, the basic understanding of this contest was that the winner gets to live and the loser is going to die. 基本上这个局势就是说这个胜者会生权败者会死亡。This was better than reality TV. 这个那个现实的电视更加好看。So then the people said, now that's a good idea. 这个会众说,那甚好。We'll stick around for that. 我们要来看看这个局面是如何。And so they began to do their, their, their contest. 我们开始就预备有这样的一个竞赛。Now I believe that and and you'll see this and I say when not if when you come to Mount Carmel. 我相信我是说当你来到加密山上的时候, I personally believe that on Mount Carmel at that place there was already an altar for Baal. 我相信当时在加密山上已经有为巴力所住的地方。Because actually, you know, Mount Carmel at one end has this panoramic view that looks out over what today we know as the Valley of Armageddon. You can see for miles and miles from the top of Mount Carmel. And actually from the other end of Mount Carmel, on a clear winter day, we can see right into Lebanon. And you know that they worship these false gods on places they called high places. The priests of Baal deliberately chose these panoramic viewpoints because they thought it spoke of the of the majesty and the power of their worship. He's depicted as a small human figure holding lightning bolts in his hand. Because he was the god of thunder and lightning and the rain. Remember, this, this whole thing was about the fact there had been no rain for three years. So if anyone should have brought the rain and fire from heaven, it should have been Baal. Okay. My point is that, that God and Elijah confronted Baal not in his weakness. The confrontation was in this, at the start. Strength at the strong points of Baal. He should have brought rain. He should have been able to bring fire from him. And so Elijah lets the false prophets go first. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first for your many, and you call in the name of your God and put no fire under it. So they took the bull that was given to them, they prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh Baal, hear us and answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered, and they leaped around the altar they'd made. And so it was. So it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, "Cry out! For if he's a god, maybe he's meditating or busy, or he's turned aside, or maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened." Now this was really crude. This was real mocking. People who know the Hebrew better than I have explained. 
When he says, maybe your God has turned aside, the meaning is, maybe your God needs to use the toilet. So he really kind of got in their face at noon, because they'd done their, their thing all morning. And the scripture says, after that, they cut themselves with little knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. But by the time it got to be late in the afternoon and they'd done this all day, there still was no answer. There still was no voice from heaven. And the fire had not fallen. Okay, very briefly, this, this, what the false prophets did is a really good picture of us, for us, of, of modern society. In its emptiness, in its pretense, in its superficiality, society around us has an intense focus on how things look. We make performers, we make celebrities out of people who hardly do anything. In fact, some of our celebrities are famous because they don't do anything. It's really the exaltation of superficiality. The saddest part is that so much of our religion, our Christian religion, is also the same. There's an intense performance orientation. In religious circles. And, and I need to tell you that this is probably the greatest enemy of real revival ever. The greatest enemy of, of a real spiritual revival isn't the corruption of society. It's not the sinfulness of people, it's not carnality. God can overcome that and has many, many, many times. The, the greatest enemy of revival is the spirit of false religion. And, and our religion becomes false when we're just going through the motions. Because that's what we know how to do. That's what we've been trained to do. But we're not going through those motions because God has commanded us to do that. And you know, for those of us in ministry, sometimes it's a very, very fine line. And, it's, and I, can, I can tell you from personal experience, it's easy just kind of slip over without even, even realizing it. I, I sometimes say that kind of religion, that kind of false religion, is what we do when God doesn't show up. Even if the presence of God isn't there, we know how to go on with the service. We know how to preach a message, we know how to pray a prayer. The musicians have also been well trained. We can go on even if God isn't there. So it's easy to slip over. And the truth is we always do. But but what prevents us from falling into idolatry is that 
Once you slip over, you can be you can be reminded and and get back. 啊，会阻止我们跌到另外一边去。我们跌到这一边的时候，会被提醒，我们必须要回到这一边来。False prophets, it was all for show. 但是对假先知来说，他们以为是正常的。You know, they leaped on and off of their altar. 他们在他们祭坛上跳来跳去。Made superficial cuts in their flesh so that they would appear to be really making a sacrifice. 所以表面上他们就自个自己自己唱的流血，好像是做献祭。But there was no content in it. 但是里面却没有任何的内容。And so God didn't bless it with the fire of His presence that changes things. 因此神并没有降下火来喜悦他们所做的事情。Somehow, somehow, there has to be a content in what we do. 其实我们所做的事情必须要有内涵。You know, biblical altars were made for a purpose. 属圣经的一个祭坛是为一个目的而来的。You know, it 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 went like this. 其实就是这样。If you had a problem that only God could solve, 如果你有的问题只有神能够解决的话 ，and and you were seeking the face of God for a practical reason， 所以你为了神，为了解决这个缘故，你真实的来寻求神。In Israel, according to God's law， 在以色列根据神的律法 ，there was some place for you to go。有些地方你是可以去的。Okay, you would go to the house of God. 你去去到神的殿中。Because in that house there was something called an altar. 因为在这个殿里面有神的祭坛。Now the altar of the Lord is not for leaping on and off. It's not for a religious show. 所以神的祭坛不是让你跳上去跳下来，呃，做一个表演而已。It's not for making superficial cuts in the flesh. 啊，不是表面上你自己割自己而已。The altar of God was a place where 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 sinful people like us could meet. And and make a transaction with the Holy God. So, so God's altar is for us who have sinned to come to God. Like a transaction with the And to simplify, the Bible would describe the way to go to that altar. 简单的来说，圣经说我们可以来到这个祭坛的一个方法。What we're taught from the Bible is you never go to God's house with empty hands. 告诉我们说，我们不能够空手来到神的殿。If you're going to go to God's house, you bring Him a gift. 所以，如果来到神的殿，你必须带一个礼物来。Someone once said, "This proves that God is Asian." 所以，有些人说，这就证明说神是亚洲人。Asian people understand. You don't go to someone's house. You bring a gift. So, Asian people, when you talk about a person, they usually bring a gift. And so it was. I mean, really. Let's let's be honest. The Bible is Asian. Actually, the Bible is Asian. God is Asian. Yeah. So, God is Asian. Anyway, you would go and you would bring a gift to the house of God. So you go, you will bring a gift to the house of God. And without going into all the details, the Bible is pretty clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very clear about what kind of gift. So the Bible is very Was that you were allowed to bring something that represented your life in place of your own life? They understood that you had to bring something that represented your life in place of your own life. They understood that you had to bring something that represented your life in place of your own You would come to God's house and you'd bring your gift. 来到神的殿中，把这个礼物带来。There, in front of the altar, trained people called priests would help you with your gift. 啊，当你来到的时候，有个非常被训练的这个祭司在那里预备好。They would painlessly kill it. 哦，他们会完全没有痛苦的把这个祭物杀死。
you would watch it die. So you can see this animal die. And then some of the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. Then your gift would be quickly cut to pieces. Hot fire was burning on the altar. And there in front of you they would burn your gift. And the smoke of its burning would arise into heaven. And elsewhere, it would say, as a sweet-smelling savor to God. Why would why would that smoke be so sweet to God? Does this indicate that God enjoys a good barbecue like some of us? No, I don't think so. I think what it, what was sweet about that smoke is this. That when the smoke of your gift went up into the sky, one thing was absolutely sure. Your precious gift was not going to go home with you. You bring a precious, non-returnable gift to the house of God. What you bring to Him, you give up. Forever. And so when that smoke would arise up into heaven, then God's grace would appear. And He would meet you at that altar. And He would say, That thing that you need that only I can supply, that sin, consider it wiped off the record. Consider, consider yourself as if it never happened. Only God can do that. And that's what He does. That broken relationship, consider it healed. That sickness, that illness, that inability to have children, whatever it was, that you needed to, pers to pursue a life that was pleasing to God. You lacked that only God could supply. That's what you got at that altar. And you didn't leave God's house the same way you came in. You didn't have your gift anymore. But you had something far more valuable. Okay. That's biblical altar. So you see, the false prophets, it was all for show. There was no precious gift. There was nothing non-returnable about what they did. The little cuts in their flesh, it was just, it was just like, like, like pretending. And I think the, the spirit of Elijah is to show us there's a difference. And God knows. And amongst us, there are those who desperately need a touch from God. And so God provides a way for us to find that. Okay, so what happened was later in the day, Elijah stepped up. The false prophets had gone all day. Elijah stepped up. He turned back to the same people that all the people of Israel, all the leaders. The same people that in the morning had been unwilling to say a word. No one was standing with him in the morning. Now at the end of the day, he turns back to them. Great compassion. 
很大的怜悯心, and the Bible says, he says to the people, come near to me. He gathers the people to him. 他对他们说, when I read those words from Elijah, it so much reminds me of the words of Jesus when he says, come unto me. He gathered the people of Israel together. And the scripture says, he restored the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 rough stones from the field and he brought them together and he made an altar. And each of the stones was to represent one of the tribes of Israel. This was a prophetic act because Israel had been was divided by civil war at the time. 这乃是一个可以说一个先知性的一个动作，因为当时以色列已经有内乱分分派了。You know, I'm going to jump ahead, but I need to tell you that he spent longer, more time, and more effort restoring the altar than he did praying. 其实以利亚他花更多的时间重新修筑祭坛，多过于他祷告。If we want our prayers to be effective and powerful，如果我们要我们的祷告是大有功效、有能力的话，so many of us need to start by restoring the altar of the Lord。我们很多人需要重新要来修复、重建神的祭坛。Practically speaking, what is that？实际上来说是什么呢？It's a place in your life. It's a place in your family. It's a place in your community. It's a place in your ministry or your work. This can be either a place in your spirit deep inside of you. Or it can be a physical place in a building. But it's a place where you go when you're really ready to do business with God. When you're really ready to bring him something right out of your life that you're never going to get back. When you're really ready to give him the very best thing you have. And after that, it will no longer be yours again. When you're ready to bring that gift into his house, because there's something you want from him that you must have, I mean, you're you're desperate. And, and you've come and you've come to the conclusion that only God can give me this. I've tried over here, I've tried over there. I've asked this person, I've asked that person. But now I realize it's really only God. Okay. This teaching is how do you meet him? Well, you should start by repairing the altar. You make a place where you can bring him that gift. Okay, and you say, okay, God, this is, this is for real. I'm, I'm bringing this to you now. And what I want from you I'm bringing you my best. What I want from you is your highest, your best. You know, sometimes God holds back because He'll never give you less than what is perfect. 
You know, sometimes we think God, you know, he, he's going to give me like 30% of his will because he knows that I've got a 30% desire. Friends, it's not like that. God isn't like that. When he, what he does is perfect. <laughs> and so when we, when we want what's perfect in our lives, and we're ready to give the best. That's where the fire falls. That's where the fire falls. Elijah stepped up. He he dragged those stones. Who knows if anyone was there to help him? He dragged those stones together. He built the altar. This is a picture, I believe, of ministry. All valid ministry is going to start right here. You make a place where people with real needs can bring real gifts and get real answers. That's all you have to do. And it may start with one person comes. But if it's a real altar, soon you won't be able to keep them away. Because there are so many false altars. So Elijah stepped up, he rebuilt the altar of God. He took this, this sacrifice that was acceptable to God. He cut it in pieces and put it on the wood on top of that altar. They poured water over that whole sacrifice. A lot of water. Some people say it was to make sure that there was no trick here. Okay? Others say it's a picture of the cross of Jesus later on. Where God would provide the great sacrifice. You know, the stones, the wood, the bloody flesh, and the water. And then Elijah steps up to this altar and this sacrifice. And he prays one of the most powerful prayers in the entire Bible. And you know what? It's also one of the shortest. You can read his prayer in about 10 seconds. Right, I have nothing against 24-7 prayer. It's good to learn how to pray long. The Bible teaches about learning the, the, the gift of praying without ceasing. Throughout the book of Kings, when Elijah talks about God, he says this. The Lord before whom I stand. That's how, that's how he describes God to him. You get the impression that Elijah was the kind of person he had learned to wake up in the morning and report. Okay. His eyes open. 
And his heart was directed to God. Here I am, Lord, again. It's me again. Reporting for duty. And today, if you don't even have anything for me, I'm still going to stand before you. I believe that was that was a lifestyle for this man. His life exemplified. Praying without ceasing. He had a private prayer life that was ongoing, an ongoing conversation with the Most High. And you can too. Because of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. You just have to release yourself to that conversation. But I believe it's for that reason that when it came time for him to pray publicly, he didn't have to pray long. He steps up to that altar, prays this short prayer. You know, and this prayer is is he says, Lord, you know, you know, for the sake of the people, I'm I'm asking you to answer this prayer. Show them that you are God and that you're the one turning their hearts back to you. That's really kind of an outstanding prayer. I mean, if it was me, I don't think I would have prayed that way. Honestly, I probably would have prayed something like this. Uh, Lord, uh, you know, it's my turn now. And they've gone all day. And now I have to pray. Uh, Lord, you're aware what they're going to do to me if you don't come through. <laughs> so I'm, I'm only asking, just, I mean, just even a little fire, you know? Uh, a little, even just a little flame from heaven would be enough. None of that for Elijah. He steps up and says, Lord, I, I've done all of this according to your word. You told me to do this. Now answer me to show those people who you really are. And the scripture says the fire came down from heaven like a like a Thunderbolt. It says it burnt the sacrifice, it burnt the stones. And lapped up the water that was in the trench. A massive flame. And when all the people of Israel saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord he is God, the Lord he is God. And they took the false prophets down to the brook and they executed them. It changed the nation of Israel for more than a generation. This was not just religion, this was not just personal. This was a national event. It was turning an entire community, an entire city, an entire nation. Because of one man. Because one man stood up. And one man realized with the word of God, I'm a majority. Unintimidated by the society, unintimidated by the culture. 
unintimidated by governmental authority, public opinion, whatever. I believe it was compassionate, it was a deep desire, not only to serve God, but to help the people. And Israel was changed. Now there's something I, I believe the Lord wants each of you to take away from this. Elijah's flame was a giant flame. Because really this was a national altar. Most of us, our sphere of responsibility isn't on that level. But there's something to learn about revival. When Elijah prayed that prayer, where did the fire of God's presence fall? Five miles away? Ten miles away in another city? The following week in another community? No. The fire of God's presence fell on the altar that he had prepared and the sacrifice that he had offered. It was very targeted, very purposeful. God is like that. Real revival is not something so mysterious that nobody understands. You want revival? Build God an altar. Make a place. Wherever it is. It, 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 it can be a personal altar. There is going to be this place in me. That when I really am going to do business with you, that's where I go. Or it could be a room in your house, or it could be a place where you and your husband or your wife, you, you sit together. But you say to the Lord, but when we come to this place, we're, we're going to bring you the best we have. And we're never going to take it back. But we're asking you, for your highest and your best. Your gifts, your calling. That you will never take back. That's what we want. So we're going to go to this place. Listen, you make yourself a personal altar. You don't need a giant flame like Elijah. You just need a personal flame. But I guarantee you that personal flame isn't going to fall somewhere else. It's going to fall on your altar. To consume that sacrifice. It's not so mysterious that you can't understand. Make the altar and take the time to bring a precious sacrifice that's acceptable. God's fire will always fall. And if a family gets together and begins to do this in a practical way, soon the fire of God's presence will be in the heart of that home. If a ministry does this, where the ministers and the leaders get together and says, we're building God an altar, soon you won't be able to keep the people away. 
You don't have to advertise. Everybody will know. The unbelievers will know. That's where things happen. Because they're not just doing this for show. It's for people with real needs. They can come and bring something to So pleased to meet them and to change their lives right there. You know, America is like Israel was in the days of Elijah. Elijah restored the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. So when Elijah came on the scene, there had been altars in an earlier time in Israel. But they'd been neglected. And they'd fallen into, into disrepair and ruin. And false religion had come in. Just like America. You know, in this country, once there were altars of the Lord. At least four or five times, God has swept this nation with great awakening. I think I'm the result, uh, one of the results of the last great move, the Jesus movement of the 1970s. Swept Tens of thousands of us out of countercultural lifestyles into the kingdom of God. Friends, things may be difficult in America. But I believe God wants to give you another move. I personally believe it's going to happen in California. And, and you know what? I wouldn't be at all surprised if it starts in the Asian community. I have reasons for that, and I'll tell you that later. But I would like you to pray with me now. And let's, let's take a moment and ask the Lord. Lord, will you help me to rebuild your altar? Starting in my own life. How about in my family, Lord? What about in my ministry? Or in my work? Could we build you an altar in our, in our office? Would that, could that actually happen? Lord, show us. Show us your way. Please bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your people this morning. They've, they've come in here not to hear from me, but to hear from you. And I believe that while I've been speaking, while I've been conducting this ministry, you've been speaking. You've been saying, you've been saying things, personal things. Maybe whispering personal things to a lot of people in this room. Because you know exactly where we are. You know exactly what we need. You know exactly what we have to bring. You know where you want to take us in life. Lord, your ways are perfect. They're above our ways. So today we want to, we want to begin that work of building you an altar. Making, preparing a place of prayer that will overcome 
the work of the enemy. Lord, we desire to have a place in our own lives where you meet us and answer us. And we recognize this is so valuable, it's worth whatever we have, whatever we are. If we could have your will in our lives, then nothing, nothing could ever stop us. We would move the mountains out of the way. We would see the salvation of our family. We would see your purposes accomplished in our lives. While we're still praying, let me ask you a question. How many of you would say to God today, I want to build the altar of God in my life? Just raise your hand. I want to pray to you. You know, there are so many of you. I actually imagined calling some people forward. That's not going to work. If you raise your hand, let me ask you to do this. Please stand to your feet. I want to. I just want to. Okay, let me explain. The reason I ask you to raise your hand, the reason why I've just asked you to stand, is it's an offering. You know, we, we offer a purely human thing that we can do. To God, asking Him to do something that only He can do. There's a limited number of things we can do in a room like this, the way we're seated. So we do what we can. We can raise our hands. We can stand before Him. So just open your heart to Him. I believe God is going to answer so many, so many of you right now. Holy Spirit, just sweep over us right now. And do what only you can do. What only you can do. Lord, you said you'd send us this Elijah before your return. Send the spirit and power of Elijah to us today. Raise up some Elijahs from, from, from our midst, Lord. Men and women who know how to build the altar of God. Who are bold enough, who are courageous enough to pray that prayer of faith. Who are unselfish enough to, to bring you a gift that is really meaningful. And then, Lord, I ask that you'll begin to release the power of your flame on us. The gentle, powerful flame of God. That can grow until it's a mighty thunderbolt in some of us. Oh, but start by just sending that flame on the altar of our hearts. I pray that we'll take this with us. This truth, this commitment we've made, we'll not let it drop to the ground. Right out of our own lives. And He will never, never despise that. He will always appear and answer our call. So, Lord, seal this in our hearts. Now we begin to praise you. We thank you for it. Can we just begin to just say thank you to Him? And thank you, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we can do these things. We bless you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you.